0: When we think about Proverbs, we think about our desire over the last several weeks to fall in love with the idea of wisdom to seek it as a treasure. And today we begin talking about from Proverbs in Proverbs, the 22nd chapter and verse six, to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from that. And from that we said, okay, and the way that he should go deals with two destinations. And this morning we spent our time looking at the ultimate destination. In other words, you remember that, that phrase, train up in the Hebrew means to narrow, but it's always an idea of narrowing to arrive somewhere in the future. And so we mentioned Stephen Covey this morning in him making more popular the phrase that has been around for a long time, and that is to begin with the end in mind. That is somewhat implied in the book of Proverbs, that we receive our children and we know where they are today. They're in our arms. They're newborns. But the question is, where are they going to be in the future? And we have that picked out and we narrow that way and we bring into their lives the things they need to arrive there and we keep out of their lives the things that they do not need that would hinder them from being there. We mentioned that Covey mentioned uh, the idea of commercial airlines are a great example of that because they tend to to arrive at the destination that they are scheduled to arrive at. And the reason is because there is so much planning that goes into the pre-flight agenda of a flight. And so we thought about, what about if as parents, we put even more time into, if you will, a pre-flight. In other words, what if we spend a lot of time saying, where do we want our children to arrive? And what is it that we need to narrow? What is it we need to put in their life? What is it that we need to keep out? With that in mind, we gave the illustration. I'm just going to mention it tonight because we don't have time to develop it again. But remember the military, when they train, they train with an end in mind. They know that what they're doing in basic training is to prepare them for their life of service in the military. Or if we talk about a dog trainer, what a dog trainer wants to know when you drop your dog off to them is they want to know what do you want the end behavior to be. Or when we talk about employee training, in other words, it becomes very specific communication that we have hired you into this company. We have hired you to do this particular job. And everything that we're going to be talking to you about is about how your job relates to this company and we're going to train you. Listen, God's the one that uses the word train up a child. And so if God says, I want you to train up a child, we ought to be able to say, for what? Our children ought to be able to say, I I know what I'm training for. It'd be terrible if somebody in the service could honestly say, I don't have any idea what I'm trained for. Or imagine a dog that goes to be trained, but yet comes back and can do nothing different than when you dropped it off. Or imagine an employee that says, I went through training and I still don't even know what company I work for. I don't even know what job that that I've been trained to do. And so we looked at the ultimate destination this morning and we looked at several passages. What I'd like for you to just notice in your memory tonight is Matthew, the 16th chapter, because he really just, we can use this verse to sum it up. In verse 23, the danger is where Jesus looked at Peter and says, you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man parents, what if we got so involved with the things of this earth and the things of men that our children actually thought we were training them for things on this earth? And like, they really had no idea that in real life, now it's, it's one thing to talk a religion and then not live it. And so if you're guilty of that as a parent, you can say, oh, oh, I talk to my children, but do your children really know it? Do they know that your life is all about the ultimate destination in heaven? And do they know that is what you want for them more than anything? And that's where we come to verse 26. What happens if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? And so we, we look at this idea that for our children, what we want... For them, ultimately, is to have eternal life with the Lord. But then tonight, let's slow down a little bit now and think about that second destination. And that second destination is a very unique destination. The first time that parents are mentioned in Scripture, pause there, let you marinate on that. If you've got at least a two-year memory, you'll remember us covering this two years ago. The first time that parents are mentioned in Scripture. In Genesis, the second chapter in verse 24, we see them not only mentioned, but we see a very important attribute and responsibility of parenting mentioned. Therefore, a man shall leave, leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they too shall become one flesh. We usually don't think about this being a passage on parenting because we think about this being the great passage on marriage. It is a great passage on marriage. It's the one that, that, is, that is quoted again and again as marriage is discussed but that doesn't take away the fact that it's also a great passage on parenting. What is that unique destination? Children are to be raised to leave. Now, the reason we say perhaps that that's unique is it's really hard to picture another relationship that's exactly like that. We don't marry with the intentions of one day leaving each other. We don't form even friendships with the idea that says, I tell you what, I wanna be really close friends with you right now, but I really only want it to be for a set time and then I want us to part and go our separate ways. We don't form relationships with bro- as brothers and sisters in Christ with the idea that, okay, it's gonna be this way now, but in a few years from now, we're gonna have distance between each other that we don't have now. In other words, I don't know of another relationship that is designed the way parent-child relationship is. Now notice, we're not saying that, that love ceases to exist or even that love ceases to be strong. It's not anything like that. It's the role of the relationship changes drastically over time based on God's plan. God expects children to reach a point where they leave home. God expects parents to raise their children so that they will be prepared to leave home. Perhaps that's part of what God had in mind when he said, train up your your child in the way he should go. In other words, are you training your child so that they will be prepared to leave home one day? Now, on this next slide, you see a type of chart about what this might look like. I'd like to take your eyes to the bottom of the screen and notice we have a simple timeline. You have the birth of your child and then midway through on this timeline, you have the beginning of adolescence and the adolescence goes all the way into the point adolescence is supposed to end whenever your children are mature and they are independent. Now there's a lot of discussion in the psychological world today about how we're going to redefine adolescence because based on that definition there are a lot of young people today in their late 20s and early 30s that are still not out of adolescence. And, and so there's probably going to be some new terms made up because it's kind of embarrassing to refer to a 29-year-old as an adolescent. And so you're gonna see some emerging terms come out of that, but, but that's just the reality. Uh, the, the reality is that a lot of children have never been trained. And, and I want you to pause right here and I want you to realize I know to some extent we could say, what's wrong with those young people? But I would tell you that the greater problem has not been with the young people. The greater problem has been that their parents haven't trained them. God gave children parents because children need parents to thrive. Now, parents can kind of pull a pilot and they can wash their hands and say, I'm just kind of, I just, I just want to be their friend. I don't want to take this heavy responsibility of parenting. I just like being the good guy all the time. I just, why do you do that? I just love them so much. Don't pull that one. You don't mess kids' lives up because you love them. If you really love them, you'll say, God, what responsibility do you give me? And you don't ask your child what responsibility is yours as a parent. You ask God what responsibility is yours as a parent. Your responsibility is to train toward these destinations. God marks out two very clear destinations that parents ought to have in mind. The ultimate destination, we ought to do everything we can do to help our children get to heaven. We talked about this morning. We are not responsible for them, we're responsible to them. Our children can get accountable age and they decide they don't want to serve God. That doesn't necessarily mean as Parents, we have failed them. We may have given them everything that they need and they may have decided to simply rebel against it. But we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to them. I'm going to give you as a parent everything that you need to exceed and, and to achieve on this path. But then tonight, what about this unique destination? Now, is, if you'll notice, as you go up, your eyes go up that uh, screen there, you see the, the two triangles. And, and notice how the parent triangle on the front end at birth side is weighing out the responsibility that you have as a parent. As a parent, you have almost 100% responsibility. In other words, that child cannot do things for themselves. So if that child is gonna survive, It's kind of on you. A child cannot be born to this earth and then all the adults around that child say, hey, you're on your own. Child won't live. Now, as time goes on, what is supposed to be handed off constantly? Responsibility. Age appropriate responsibility. Now, let me mention right here We have not achieved something good when we get a five-year-old to act like a 15-year-old. That's not success. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, and I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. We ought to want a child that's five years old to be just as responsible as a five-year-old child ought to be. We ought to want a 10-year-old child to be just as responsible as a 10-year-old ought to be. Our goal is not to get them to act like a 15-year-old. Let them be a 10-year-old, but let them be a responsible 10-year-old. Let them be a 15-year-old, but let them be a responsible 15-year-old. And then, as parents, you've got to decide what that leaving home time is. Do you think your children are going to to leave home to to go to college? They're going to leave home? If if you really think they're going to go far away from home, you may say, you know what? You know what? We need to have our children ready by 18 because they're really going to leave. Or you may say, you know what? Our children are going to go to school close and and they're going to be in our home all the time until they're 22. Okay, so yours is 22. The point is, you as parents, you need to be thinking, what is that leaving time? And then... Our goal as parents is to say, we want to constantly give you responsibility to give you training so that when it does come time to leave home, it's not that the parents have been carrying all this responsibility and then the child is like free falling off of a cliff. Instead, what leaving home ought to be is just the next natural step. The child has been prepared for 18 years, for 20 years. The child has been prepared for that. So you see how there's a big shift there. The parents are almost 100% responsible here. But as the child is ready to leave home, the parents have very, very little responsibility. Not because they don't love their child, because they love them dearly. They want what is best for them so that they are ready. How many times have you seen kids 22, 23, 24, 25 years old, and it seems like they're constantly struggling with life? They seem like they're constantly in financial trouble, constantly bouncing checks. They seem like they're constantly at odds with their boss. Boss is always chewing them out because they can't show up on time. They miss a lot of Mondays. They're always asking off work on Friday. They have struggles with with friendships. What is that a sign of? I'm not saying it's black and white and it's always this way. But you know, as a rule of thumb, what that's a sign of? It's a sign that somewhere in their years growing up, they never were trained on how to be an adult. They never were trained on, on how to be responsible. And so if you're a parent, here is my plea to you. And like, I really, 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 really mean this. Like, I hope, I hope and pray that if you have children at home, if you haven't already done something like this, that you'll sit down over the next week or two and you will think to yourself, what characteristics do I want my child to have developed in their life by the time they are leaving home? So what would your list look like? When you start writing it out, first you might think, oh, there's five or six things I really want. But you know what? When you start writing it out, you'll realize, no, there's like 10 or 12 things. And then when you write, no, there's, there's probably like 15 things that I want. I don't know. I, I, there's not a magic number. I don't know what you're gonna arrive at, but I wanna encourage you to really give a lot of thought of what that, that on paper, it's a list, but in reality, it's a life what you want it to look like. I almost hesitate to show you this list because it's not comprehensive. And, and many of you will be able to meet me in the four-year and say, oh, you forgot this one, you forgot this one. Look, I know there's a lot more that's not on there, but, but I'm only giving you this to get your wheels churning. But you figure out what is it that God would want your 19-year-old to be, your 18-year-old, your 21-year-old. What would God want them to be? And maybe it's a list that at least would resemble this. You'd want them to have their own faith. You'd want them to know and love God and scripture. You'd want them to be humble, to be respectful, to be obedient, to be generous, generous with their money, generous with their abilities, generous with their life. You'd want them to be responsible, a hard worker, a person of integrity, well-mannered, managed finances well, a servant. Loyal, independent, compassionate. What's your list going to look like? And I, and I want to encourage you to sit down and do this together, not only as parents, but once you get a good list going as parents, this needs to translate over into family meetings. Where you say, Hey, let's let's talk about this this unique destination. And what is it that we need to be doing to train you to arrive at what and then remember this morning when we talked about the flight plan how there's certain things you put in because you know that that's what's going to be required to arrive there and, and there is a constant uh, in Jeff Watson's words as a pilot he says you as a pilot have a situational awareness at all times he says, you try to always be aware of what's around you in the cockpit, your passengers. They said also of weather out in front of you and, and just everything. There's a situational awareness. As a parent, what if you had those things on your heart, in your prayers and on your mind every day? What kind of situational awareness would arrive so that you're constantly handing over these responsibilities on an ongoing basis? We could sit here all night and give illustrations. You could give many illustrations. I think back just in recent years, one of my children came back and said, dad, you know those years that we raised bottled calves? I said, yeah. And that child said, it's amazing how much work ethic we learned doing that. And I really didn't realize it until I was grown. No father in the right mind raises bottle cash for the fun of it. You get up at 5 in the morning in the winter time and you go around and you wake up 3 kids at 5 in the morning that are in elementary and junior high. And and they are going and and pouring in the the calf starter and they're leaning over the tub in the bathroom and they're getting lukewarm water in and everybody's putting on the coveralls, everybody's putting on their jackets, everybody's putting on their boots, everybody's grabbing their flashlights and everybody's going out to the barn. And then you got little calves nursing on you, nursing on the bottle, pushing you around and then you get to go back to the house and wash all the bottles and lay them out to dry so you can do it again that evening when you get in. So you can go to bed and do it again in the morning. Now listen, the kids were raising calves. I was raising kids. It's the only reason I did it. I knew that they could learn a lot about money. And I knew that they could learn a lot about work. And I didn't do it so that a fifth grader could learn about money and about work. I did it so that they would be ready at 21 or 18 to start managing their own finances, to be able to get themselves out of bed at times they don't want to get out of bed, to go out in conditions that they don't want to go out in, and to do work that on some days they absolutely don't want to do it. But the beauty of that little project is there's always the payoff The day they go to market. That's why you don't name them. And then, (laughs) and then, and then the next couple of days, you know what you get in the mail? The next couple of days, you get a big check in the mail. And then you get to go to the bank. Now, why would you cash it out in cash? Because now you got another lesson to learn. How much did God give you? How much are you going to give back to God? Let's count it out. Let's look at all that God gave you. Let's look at the expenses. Let's look at the profit. How much of this profit are you going to give back to God? All of that was never about the present. You know what I mean by that. All of that was always an investment. I'm not saying to you, you got to raise calves. But I'm saying to you, you don't get your, your front porch swept every morning because you need your front porch swept. You get a child sweep your front porch every morning because your child needs to learn what daily responsibility is. Because you're training. Not because you're keeping a porch. Not because you're keeping a yard. Not because you're keeping a car. Do kids ever clean out cars anymore? Growing up, that's one of my jobs. I don't know why. I know why now. At the time, I didn't know why. Why do I got to go clean the car every week? Parents. I know it's easier to pay somebody to clean your car. It's easier to pay for your beef. It's easier to pay somebody to mow your yard. It's easier to pay somebody to clean your house. I'm not trying to get in your personal business, but I'm telling you this. You're not going to be successful if you're going to try to pay somebody to raise your kids. And there comes a time where you got to say, me and the kids are investing in their future. We're going to do some training. And hopefully... It'll be enjoyable, not because the work itself is always enjoyable, but because you do it together, because they get to learn and they get to experience. I don't know exactly how you will accomplish those things, but you know, we've been talking a lot about wisdom the last few Sundays. I hope that your prayer is for the wisdom of God that, that you can accomplish those things in the life of your children and whatever else that's not on that list. But talk with your child about it so that your child realizes as they're learning this, your child is realizing, okay, this is why we're doing this. This is why I need to learn this. This is why, because I am going to be out on my own one day and I'm gonna to need to be able to take care and to literally become this person. And so let me ask you a question. Why in all of this is discipline so important? Why is discipline so important? Here's reality. And young people, I'm not calling you out on this. This is true of all of us, and it's not necessarily bad. Here's the answer. Next slide. That's it. Children just want to be in charge. That's the way they learn in life is to push boundaries. When when a baby can do nothing but, but lie on its belly... It pushes the boundary of gravity, and finally it learns that it can crawl. And when it can't say hardly anything but a noise, it keeps trying, and it keeps trying, and before long, it's able to say, no. They get really good at that one. And, and, and you're like, hey, how, how did they learn to say that? Because they kept pushing boundaries. And you know one of the boundaries they're going to push? Children are always going to push the boundary of authority. Children simply want to be in charge. You can be in charge of your home or your children can be in charge of your home. And that's why discipline is absolutely necessary. Proverbs the 13th chapter verse 24, we mentioned this uh, a week ago. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. You can't pull the old thing, well, I I just don't, I don't really go all out correcting my children because I love them. No, that's what you're telling yourself if you feel that, but that's not true. If you really love your children, you discipline them promptly. Whoa, whoa, why, why do we have to do it promptly? Because it's such a huge, huge weight of importance at stake. You say, well, my child is just disobeying a little bit. I mean, I ask them to sit there and they're not. What's the big deal? It's not the big deal that they're not sitting there when you ask them. The big deal is while they're up running around, when you said, sit there, what they're saying is, hey, mom, dad, I just want you to know I rule this house. That's what that action is saying. It's saying, I'm now in charge of this house. Just need to let you know that. So who's going to be in charge? God gave children parents because children need someone in their life that says, no, you're not going to be in charge. And if you need convincing, I can make the pain such that you will be convinced who's in charge when this is over. Genesis, the second chapter, we see how discipline is rooted in training. God dealt with Adam and notice in 2 and 15. The Lord God took the man, he put it in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. The first thing we need to see here is that he gave him responsibility. This was before sin. I know I've said this to you before, but you're going to hear a lot of preachers and a lot of teachers say that man was given work after sin. That's not true. Work is a blessing. Man was given work before sin. It's just that it increased with great difficulty after sin. But every person alive needs daily responsibility. Look at verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. So what else is part of this one? Positive instruction. Your children need to be taught the things that are good that they ought to be about in their life. But notice the negative instruction, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. So now not only is there negative, but there's also the immediate identification of what the consequences are going to be before the disobedience ever takes place. Now that's significant. The child knows if I decide to do wrong, these or this is the consequence that I'm going to suffer. And then the parent has the responsibility to carry through on that and the child learns. Well, that's the choice I made and with choices come consequences. With good choices comes blessing and with bad choices comes painful outcomes. And that's what we want our children to learn. Why? Because ultimately, for our children to learn, it's ultimately a lesson about authority. For example, we're not going to take the time to read it, but if we took the time right now to read Genesis 3, you know what we'd find out? Isn't that true? Adam and Eve just want to be in charge. Hey, God says you can't eat of that. Satan convinces them, oh, oh, sure you can. <laughs> You're not going to surely die. I know that's why God said you were going to You're not going to surely die. I just want to know like God knows. I want to be wise like God is. I just want to be in charge. And so what did God do when Adam and Eve decided they want to be in charge? He came down to the garden and he said, Now, Adam, I thought I told you not to do that. I'm warning you. That's your first warning. Adam, I'm going to count to three and I want you to put the fruit down. When they challenged his authority, he immediately punished them. And it's also worth noting that the tree that they were not to eat of, God chose to put it in the midst of the garden. He didn't say, I'm going to make it very, very difficult for you to disobey. I can't tell you exactly all the reasons why God put it in the midst. He doesn't tell us. But I can know this for certain. The tree that they were not to eat of was in the midst of the garden. And when they challenged his authority, the punishment reminded them instantaneously, you may think you're in charge, but you will know after we finish this little dialogue who is in charge. Godly parents handle all punishment in a way that the child knows 100% who is in charge. God is the one who gave you the authority as a parent. We're not talking about options here. Let's put it this way. If you don't have any kids and you're thinking, I don't know if I want to be in charge, don't have kids. Because by God's plan... God's plan when you have kids you're saying I will be the authority don't ever apologize for being authority That's like saying. I'm sorry child. God really messed up the way he made things and and I've just got to do this because it's God's way But it's really a bad way. No, it's a beautiful way It is a beautiful way. The adult is in charge. Show me a house where the children are in charge. It's not beautiful It's a beautiful thing when when parents are submissive to God And children are submissive to parents. That's nothing to apologize about. That's nothing to to dread. That's nothing to, oh, this is negative. We're talking about something beautiful. And so children should grow to appreciate who is in charge. So now let's go back with all this running through our minds. I want us to read Ephesians 6, 1, and I want you to answer in your mind when I ask you, what's this verse about? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. What's that verse ultimately about? That is God's way of saying, hey, children, let me tell you who's in charge of your life and your home. The parents are. Why is that important? Because no person lives a godly life who does not learn to be submissive. No person. In 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, and verse 7. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Hebrews 13 and 17, obey those who have the rule over you and be subject to them. Romans 13 and 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. If God says you can't be saved if you can't submit to the gospel, You can't be in my body the way I want you to be in my body if you can't obey your elders. You can't even be a citizen that I want you to be if you can't obey government. God, where do you expect us to learn that kind of submission? And he says, at home. Think how blessed a child is when they learn that authority is not just a suggestion. When they learn that authority is a loving force of authority. Think of the blessing that's going to be for the child that grows up in that atmosphere and when they learn about God, they're able to see a loving authority in their life. They're able to understand that an eldership truly has authority. Do you realize that no single man in this congregation has authority? Everybody in this congregation is under an eldership, including each individual elder. You don't live the Christian life without being submissive. You don't become a Christian without being submissive. You don't become a faithful part of his body without being submissive. You're not the citizen you ought to be. Where do we learn it? We learn it from our parents. So what about this? Ephesians 6 and 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up. I want you to notice that phrase. Bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Did you know that that phrase, bring them up, literally means to raise them to maturation. You couldn't make it up any better than this, could you? I mean, what we're studying tonight is God's principle. God says, listen, I'm challenging you as parents, raise your children and get them ready to leave. That's what this verse is about. Bring them up to maturity. There is a point in time where I expect you to have your children ready to leave. So to get them up to that point, what are you gonna have to do? Train them and admonish them. All along the way, you're training, you're admonishing. Why? Because there's coming that unique day where they are to leave. They are to be mature enough to leave. And so as time runs out, let me just run this by and, and, and just soak up what you, what you can here. You're gonna know a lot of these verses. First Samuel 3 and 13, the problem with Eli is he did not restrain his sons. Somebody's gotta be in charge. And when parents don't, take on the responsibility. It's very detrimental for the children. Hebrews 12 and nine, human fathers who corrected us, we paid them respect. You're always going to respect coaches that discipline in a fair and loving way. You're going to respect parents that discipline in a fair and loving way. You're going to respect an eldership that disciplines in that way. That's what verse nine is about. Look at verse 10. Notice what God did for us. For they indeed for a few days chastened us who seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. God says, listen, he's talking to adults here. And he says, I'm gonna chasten you because I love you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have this in mind that what I want you to arrive at is I want you to arrive at being a partaker of holiness with me. And so all along the way, if you get off the course, I'm going to punish you so that you and I can share in holiness together. But look at this punishment in verse 11. No chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Well, I know that well. My mama brought a lot of pain in my life. Notice, but painful, but painful. What's this authority supposed to do? This authority, when you get off course, this authority is supposed to bring pain in your life so you promptly know, just a little reminder there who's in charge here. What's that gonna do? Notice what this does. Now, we can either choose, our world's not gonna believe what we're studying tonight, So we can either walk by faith or we can walk by sight. Notice what it's gonna produce if we do it right. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Listen, I know there are so many parents that have been abusive. We're not talking about that at all. Punishment is never to be the release of stress for a parent. And I don't mean this as a slang when I say God forbid that any parent here would punish out of vengeance. I am mad at you and I am going to hurt you. That is abuse. But the idea that says, listen, we have rules in our home. We have guidelines that's gonna carry us to this unique destination and to that ultimate destination. And if you want to challenge authority, there will be painful consequences for your challenging of authority. That's godly parenting at its best. And here's the way the proverb would say it. Proverbs 19 and 18. Remember we read this one? Last week, chasing your son while there's hope. Do not set your heart on his destruction. Well, what would it look like if we were gonna allow our child to be destroyed? A man of great wrath will suffer punishment. If you risk him, you'll have to do it again and again. That's tied into that destruction. Or Proverbs 23 and 13, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he'll not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul for sure. In other words, if you want your child to have that ultimate destination, what are you gonna do? God says you're going to bring punishment into his life. Proverbs 29 and 15, The rod and the reproof give what? Wisdom. Gives wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Do we need to write that one down? Do we need to pray about that one for our society's sake? So many of our children today that are hurting, they are reaping the victimization of this verse right here. Do you realize how many children are growing up under the same roof with their parents and their parents will not be parents? They're left to their own. They get to run the house. They get to make decisions. They tell the parents when or if they'll study. They tell the parents when they'll go to bed. They tell the parents what they'll watch. And you know what? The parents are just washing their hands of it. And a child left to itself, wind and destruction. Those parents don't love those children. And those children are going to be the ones that suffer the consequences so with proper training and discipline, the child gets to decide. They get to decide things like this, Proverbs 13 and one, a wise son heeds his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Young people, you get to decide if you want to obey your parents. Look at Proverbs 19 and 27, cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Or I love this one, and we close with this one. Look at Proverbs 20 and 11, even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. Adults are not the only ones that have reputations. Every one of our children here has a reputation. And wouldn't it be ashamed if part of the reason why there might be a child here that has a bad reputation would be because they have parents that have decided to be their friends instead of being the authority. We have great responsibility as parents. Tonight, let's love our children so much that we will do everything in our might to train them in the right way, to give them positive instruction, to pour love and acceptance upon them and let them know how deeply we love them and how much we care for them. And we show it by investing our life in them as they're growing up. But at the same time, we show how much we love them by being willing to discipline them. That this journey is so important That punishment must be a natural part of this journey. None of us are perfect. We all need chastising. And that's what Hebrews 12 is about that we just read. God says, I'll chastise you. Tonight, have you been suffering the chastisement of God? Tonight, do you want God's forgiveness? Tonight, do you want to make things right in your life? If you're ready to be baptized, if you're ready to be restored, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.